Uh, good morning, Family Church. It is good to be here on a soggy day. Uh, thank goodness the rain doesn't come inside the building anymore. And uh, so that was, uh, that was improvement number one, and we're still in process on doing uh, many other things. And so we appreciate you standing with the giving uh, here at this church. Uh, we've got our normal operating expenses, and then we've got this beautiful building that we are trying to uh, restore to uh, everything that it can be so that we can reach the community. And so um, basically, as fast as you support this building, uh, we're going to spend it and keep making it better for, uh, for God's purposes. So excited to be here on week two of our new clutter series, and I got a lot of feedback last week, good feedback, and so uh, us, uh, us preachers, we really like that, and, and actually, I will take and try to take constructive criticism without crying in front of you, and so if you ever have any feedback, I'd like to get it. Um, it's important that the gospel is presented here in a way that reaches as many people as possible in those seats, and so I want to make sure that this is as good as it can be, and, uh, and so that's, that's part of the vision here. Um, we have a clutter problem. I have one up here. I can barely move. I'm going to guess, uh, just as I mentioned some of uh, the areas in my house that remain cluttered uh, despite the best efforts of my wife, and that is my garage, uh, mostly because I have more stuff than I can put realistically in these things they call two-car garages these days. And, uh, and then uh, I covered things like the kitchen utensil drawer and uh, the junk drawer and under the bathroom cabinet in the master bathroom where uh, approximately 25% of Ulta's products are there for, uh, for, the, for the use of the lady of the house. And uh, we won't go any further there. Speaking of Danielle... She helped me with a lot with the message this week. I was just stuck kind of, uh, if you ever have writer's block and you're, and you're just kind of, you see, you know where you want to go, you have all of these things, and I just was, it was just muddy, and hopefully it's not anymore. But man, she read through the message this week and, and, and made some suggestions, and so it's just awesome to have other people contribute. And, uh, and somebody else I wanted to honor uh, who's not here today is Burl. And uh, Burl Whaley is on, uh, he helps me write our sermons. And so if you're interested in that and you've got a mind for the Bible or some ideas, uh, we, we get ready before the series and meet together. And um, it's, it's awesome to get input from other people. But anyways, this clutter problem plays out in multiple areas of our life. Do you guys like my orange this morning? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I just, just that's just for you guys to just worry about right now. I'm not going to throw it at anybody. But this plays out in multiple areas. This series is taking a look at the clutter in what we have, in what we think, and in what we do. We started last week with the clutter we have because it's the easiest to see. Uh, the stuff that seems to constantly pile up around us. I wanted to be, I thought about being funny and just adding the boxes that came to our house this week. Uh, because I think we had 10 new boxes from Amazon this week. Now, in fairness, I like keeping Andrew gainfully employed, so I'm, it's kind of a missionary support is well I like to see it. It's not tax deductible. But no, we get all the shipments for stuff for the church. We got a few new things, a few new toys for the stage and, and whatnot. But 10 more boxes came to my house this week. Craziness. What's the problem with clutter in our garage, in our minds, and in our daily activities? There's two main things here. 
the stuff is never the problem. What's really at stake? The first thing is it's our hearts because the Bible teaches that where our treasure is, there our hearts follow. And so, so the one issue that stuff can have is that we can attach our hearts to it. And I think it's great to be fond of the house you live in, the car you drive, and, and uh, the, the, the newest pair of jeans that you've bought. I think, I think those things are great. But when your heart is attached to those things and you don't know how to let go of them, then we have a problem. The second issue, which is really the point of this series, is our clarity. What do I mean by that? Well, just like when you're trying to have a clear line of thinking in your mind to think about something and, and the kids don't let you and uh, the dog doesn't let you and, and the TV doesn't let you. And if you can't have clarity, how can you fulfill your purpose? We've all spent days and maybe a few this week where you had a you had a goal in mind, but the clutter of the day kept you from achieving the goal. And something sometimes these things are just a part of life, but our clarity, our purpose, our efficiency at, as believers is at stake. And so when stuff gets in the way and, and it becomes a hindrance to what we're doing, uh, then we're not able to be effective in what we've been called to do or the goals that, that, that God has given us. We started with the physical clutter in our lives because it's the easiest to see. And here's the deal. It's hard enough to organize your closet and throw things away. Who has a hard time throwing things away? Who has a hard time throwing your spouse's things away? <laughs> That's really, really easy. I'll see like something going out, like a trash bag, and I'm like, I'll see one of my t-shirts in it. I'm like, hang on a second. And she'll like, you know, if she's smart, she gets rid of it during the day when I'm gone. But man, if I see that t-shirt peeking out of that trash bag, what's it make me want to do? What else did you throw away of mine? This is really easy for you to throw, you know, okay, I got to stay, I got I to gotta stay in, I got to stay good here. These next two lessons are even more challenging to deal with. The clutter inside of us, what we think about, and the clutter in our actions, what we do, these areas are harder to deal with. For example, how easy is it to change a poor self-image? Some in this room have wrestled with that for as long as they can remember. And the people close to you are just as frustrated because they would like nothing more than to change that thought process, right? Okay, here's an ex another thing, what you do. How hard is it to just choose to get healthier? Lose weight. Well, man, you get all pumped up. You get the Weight Watchers out. Oh, man, this is cool. Oh, Twinkies, they don't fit. They don't fit. What we think about and what we do are so hard to change, and the problem is even further is that those two things are linked, forever linked. Imagine a clean, organized closet. No elbowing your neighbor here. Imagine a clean, organized closet that only had clothes in it that you liked and they fit you. If you have that, don't raise your hand because everyone around you will beat you up. 
What would that feel like when you went to grab clothes the next morning? It'd be cool. Cleaning the clutter in what we think and what we do is significantly more difficult, but significantly more satisfying and worth the challenge. I want to start in James, uh, a lot of little scriptures here today, but we're going to start in James 1, 4, and I have this just in my brain from the New International Version. So, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let me, let me say that last phrase. Complete, not lacking anything. Here's a phrase for us today. I believe this is the key to this message in, in particular. God wants us to be complete, not cluttered. What do I mean by that? Not lacking anything versus having stuff you don't need. So not lacking anything, that means you have all of your basics covered. And, and I'll just give you a clue. It's a lot less than what you think it is. And so what we think we have to have is usually an exaggeration sometimes a gross exaggeration of what we actually need. And then the other side of that is just having stuff you don't need. Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to having things that are just around for fun. I think that's just a great thing. And this doesn't mean having nothing. We talked about that last week with, with, with uh, you know, so Christianity, the church, we tend to make these violent reactions to things. And so if stuff can lead me astray, well, then I'm just not going to have any stuff. Well, are you really changing your heart? Because God wants us to be able to be around stuff. He wants us to be around people. He wants us to be a part of this world, but for the world to never have us. And so if we can't be a part of this world, what good are we to God who's called us to be salt and light to the earth? This doesn't mean having nothing. It means having everything that you need. God wants mature believers. Question for us this morning. Why does a farmer plant anything? Give me some answers. Why does he want to plant something? To grow it, think bigger, sell it, to provide, to live, he doesn't just want it to grow. He wants it to grow to maturity so that there's something that he can eat, something that he can sell. Oh, and by the way, something that he can replant for the next season. The farmer is thinking, he's thinking seasons ahead, right? He's thinking of his family that he's responsible to feed. He's not just planting just so he has something to do that day. He's not just planting so that something will grow. He is planting so that something will grow to maturity so that it can be harvested to meet his family's needs. God wants us to grow up. Tell your neighbor to grow up. Say it nicer than that. Say, God, say, grow up. Mature believers are the harvest that God is planting for. 
That's what we need to understand. God just doesn't want to plant his word. He doesn't just want us to grow. He wants us to grow into mature believers that can perpetuate the kingdom of heaven. He wants you to multiply into what? More believers. He wants you to have your needs met in the kingdom, and then he wants you to move your life to multiply further into others' lives so that they can have their needs met in the kingdom. Do you see that? James just taught us that maturity is an internal thing. Those of us that were teenagers or have teenagers right now, in other words, everybody say amen. Maturity is an internal thing. We all know that a maturing body is no guarantee of a mature mind or heart. Do not elbow your neighbor. Something needs to happen inside of us, right? Otherwise, and just like with our children, I can send a full-grown child out into the world, but if nothing has happened inside, and we're praying for it, if nothing happens inside, what are we sending out? We're just sending out a, a giant child, and we've all seen what they're capable of, right? It's awesome. That's what fills our news. And maybe a lot of other channels. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Who in this room knows God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? Who wants to know it? I do. And what I found in life is that there's times where I don't feel like I know it. And there's stuff in the way from keeping me from finding it out. There's a lot happening in this verse. We're being told not to conform, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So do I just have to will that? Transform, transform. Autobots, roll out. No, It's nothing that's just going to, it's nothing that I can just force into being. What this is saying is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is actively trying to communicate with you. God wants you to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He is not making it a secret. It is just buried inside of a lot of other noise. Matthew 13, 3 through 9, not going to read it all, but Jesus is describing a farmer that went out to plant some seeds. And we just talked about why would a farmer plant? Why does a farmer plant? He's not just, I got some seed laying around, I better throw this out there. Where he plants it, when he plants it, what he plants, all of that has been thought through to a high level, right? Jesus describes this farmer, and he goes out to plant seeds, and he runs into all these different situations of where the seed goes. It says one scatters on a hard path. 
how good does stuff grow? If you're lucky, you'll get a few weeds pop up in your, where your sidewalk connects to itself. But you're not going to plant corn there, right? He describes shallow soil. The seeds take root quickly, but then there's nothing there, to, nothing of any substance to hold it there. Talks about weeds. Seems like we're talking about clutter. All of the things that choke out the word as soon as it's trying to grow and to take off. There's all of these competing things. And then he talks about good soil. In, parab- in parables, if you ever see a story that says a farmer or a master, that's usually the, the, that position is representing God. Just so you know. God is constantly planting, but not just for salvation. What's the harvest that he's planting for? I think it's great for churches to get excited about salvation. We're going to go crazy every time somebody says yes, because that is the first step into a life of faith, and it's the key to life. You, you, you have to start there. And we're going to celebrate baptisms like crazy, because that's somebody publicly affirming that decision that they made. But what a tragedy if that's how big the plant got. Right? So as a church, as a family church, we want to make sure that this is all happening, that people are coming in uh, that haven't said yes to Jesus yet. We want this to be a place where people are accepting Jesus, getting baptized, and then growing into those mature believers. This makes sense. Think about any team or organization. Is the value just in how many employees you have or how many people are on the team? How valuable is the average rookie or newbie to an organization? Is the value in what they bring to the table right now? Or is the value in their potential? And what do you think the percentage is of large organizations for training. And I've read some figures even for the military of of what they invest in a soldier before that soldier is ever ready to go to war. In the case of my son-in-law, he basically had over a year of training before he was ready to just serve his next three to four years. So they paid him his salary, they spent money on all of that training for basically 20% of of the time he committed to. That's amazing, isn't it? That's because the value to any organization is the potential that's there. And so we want to put, we want to build people. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is actively trying to communicate God's will to you, and this is how clutter kills our purpose. A distracted mind does not have good soil for God to plant his truth in. I got a few amens. I'm going to say it again. A distracted mind does not have good soil for God to plant his truth in. That's how clutter kills our purpose, because if you're not able to absorb and learn God's truth for your life, if you're not able to hear his direction for your life, 
you're going to float at best, and you're going to fall back and away at worst, right? If we clear the clutter in what we think, we will know God's will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I want to know those things. What is the fruit of hearing and obeying the Holy Spirit? Well, we've got this, we've got this answer in Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. Who needs peace? Everybody. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the list of the fruit, and then it closes with a phrase that says, there is no law against these things. What's that in there for? Because you can never be too gentle. You can never have too much discipline. You can never be too loving. You can never be too kind. You could never be, oh, he's too faithful. (laughs) What? What spouse would ever complain of their other of their spouse being too faithful or too kind. There's no law against these things because these are the characters of Christ. This is this is who he is. And so the fruit of of that will come out in our life if we can obey the will of the Holy Spirit and we need to know it if we're going to obey it, right? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Well, what's in the way? Well, if that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what's the fruit of the of, of clutter? Anger, depression, stress, anxiety, meanness, evil, unfaithful, rude and a lack of discipline. Wow. I don't want those things in myself, and I could sure tell you that the people in my life get tired of seeing those things in me. So who is doing the changing then, God or us? Let God transform you by changing the way you think. I say that over and over again, over and again. I hear it say, let God transform you. But who's doing the letting? And who's doing the changing of what we think about? It sounds like we have a partnership in progress. John Piper says this. One, we have to put forth the effort. Two, we put on positive qualities and we put off the negative qualities. Three, the power of the Holy Spirit does the transforming. What we think and what we do are linked to two, like two sides of the same coin. What we do is the fruit of what we think, and to change what we think, we have to do something different. Now, is anybody else a little confused by that? So what do we do? How do you renew your mind? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is something internal. You can't buy the fruit of the Spirit. Orange. 
I can tell you right now that this orange is delicious because I've eaten three of its brothers. This is an organic orange, which I tend to seldom think is worth the money, but on occasion, yes. I can hold this orange, I can buy this orange, but you and I both know that this is not anything that I can produce. I can't just hold orange seeds in my hand and will them into being. Well, this is an organic orange, which means it came from a farm, an orange grove to be technical. And I'm pretty sure an organic farm means like they're sung lullabies at night and like farmers are strolling through the grove with a with a like a guitar and good night and, and you know it's just distilled, you know, just spring water and, and I don't know. But everything was done inside that orange grove so that I could have an orange. Therapists and counselors are great. Like a closet organization company, they can help you organize your thoughts. They can see patterns and causes. I think they're wonderful and worth the money. The best counselors in another self-help book, though, can only modify or affect the fruit that we have. How does the fruit change? Who is doing the changing, God or us? Read the phrase again from the verse. Let God transform you by the changing the way you think. God does the transformation, but we have to partner with the process. Romans 8, 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds on on what the Spirit desires. So how then do we mature mentally as believers? We're all doing the things necessary so that our kids can grow mentally. There are some things that are just on autopilot because of the way God has designed us as human beings. The mind actually physically matures. But think about all the things that we do so that our kids' heart matures, right? So that they're a little... I'll let, rephrase, a lot less selfish than they start off, right? 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. We're talking about final product here. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. I'm going to break out the King James for part of this phrase because there's, there's just a word here that I like, a phrase here. That first part that says work, it says study to show yourself. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, here we go, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to study to show ourselves approved. This says that a mature believer can correctly explain or rightly divide the word of truth. What are we talking about? Somebody who has grown in their faith 
is able to not just absorb what other people teaches them. They can look in part, some, or all of the Bible, and they can determine what God is saying there. That's huge. And it's where God wants us to get to. We have to study to show ourselves approved. We need the word of God to grow up. We need the word of truth. We need the Bible. Well, how does this work? What do we do? Well, first thing is you've, you've taken the first step already. Tell your neighbor, good job. I'm going to tell you what you've done. Listening to someone else teach the word of God. That's where we all start. And so hopefully that comes from different sources, but that includes what's happening right now. For my life, that came from mom and dad. It came from Sunday school teachers. It came from different sources. Every preacher studies so that they can rightly divide the word of truth and explain it to other people. That is what I agonize over for part of every week. I want to hear what God is saying, and I want to correctly communicate it to you. And then the other part of that is in a way that you get it, right? Um, this isn't a horn tooting thing, but this takes usually 12 hours plus of my week for this. And if somebody, somebody say he needs to spend more time, uh, don't tell me that. That will make me cry. Uh, constructive criticism would be like, no, I'm just kidding. But here's what happens. And this is why I get excited about every week. Is because it's not just me studying and reading a book report to you. Every time I take the time to study God's word, he reveals his life in the word. And let me tell you something, you don't want to hear a message without revelation in it. That is an entire waste of the writer's time <laughs> and of the audience's time. And so I'm usually, I, I know like a thought that God has for the day, but then as I'm working through it, all of a sudden the, the heart comes through the words and that's what I want to get through. Because if you don't hear what Father God wants you to know, then why did we come here? Every time God reveals life in his, worth, in his word, and I do my best to communicate it to you. My mom's a good cook. Just to throw that out there, if you didn't know that already, if they invite you to dinner, here's what you need to say. Yes. You don't need to pray about that one. One of the very favorite things that my mom made growing up uh, is uh, chicken enchiladas. It's, it's getting close. I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to spend a little time here. I would get so excited when the pans would come out and the process, because you could always tell what was being made without being, you know, without being told, depending on the equipment that I believe is needed in a proper kitchen. Thank you. Okay. Because you just might make them one day this year, right? But I grew up loving and enjoying those every time
I make chicken enchiladas now. And they're fantastic. I, I know this because I've actually gotten, I've, I know this. I make stuff that I love and usually doesn't disappoint other people. Paul says something interesting in 1 Corinthians 3. He says something about, I would like to give you more than milk, but you can't handle big boy food. I loved, and I still love eating at my parents' house, but it would be pretty pathetic if at age 42, I came over every night and knocked on the door. Can I have my dinner, please? Right? She'd probably still make me dinner. What are we talking about here? I love preaching. I love getting positive feedback. I love seeing the light come on. It's much better than watching people doze off. Both happen on every Sunday morning. But I get excited when I can tell that somebody is studying the Bible on their own time. One of my favorite Sundays last year was when Gabe preached for the very first time. Gabe studied and taught an accurate message from the Bible because he put the time in and God gave him revelation. That blessed me because he did it. Now, we're not all called to preach. It's not what I'm getting at. But we are all called to grow. That should have gotten a few amens. I'm going to say that again, give you another chance. We are not all called to preach. You should be happy about that. But we are all called to grow. Growth comes from understanding the word of God. God does the transformation, but we have to partner with the process. Now, I'm going to hurt your feelings. Here's where clutter kills our purpose. We are learning today that the Holy Spirit is constantly throwing seed into our lives. God always wants you to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And our main scripture says that if we will be, if we will have our minds transformed, then we will know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we've learned today that the Holy Spirit is constantly throwing seed into our lives, and yet the only time many of us study the Bible is on Sunday mornings. God wants to see more of you in the kitchen making your own enchiladas. For those of you that did pick up on that, I'm using it as an illustration. All right, Pastor Adam, I get you, but what can I do? Because the Bible, man, oh, it's, it's uh, there's the Habakkuk's and the Zephaniah's and there's the thou shalt's and there's the son of the son of the son of. I, I don't know about this crazy book, and I'd really much rather let somebody who knows what they're doing look into it and tell me what I need to know of it. I get that. Here's some things you can do. These are practical, practical things. 
Step one, which almost nobody does, and it's the easiest next step to take, is to grab one of the notepads and pens as you walk in the door and scribble five things down while whoever preaches up here preaches. And take it with you and read through it later in the week and the couple and write down one or two of the scripture references. You will take what you have been fed on Sunday mornings and you will basically it will mean more to you. You'll basically get more out of that meal. Does that make sense? So that's an easy next step. I believe that everybody should have a Bible that when they read it, it should make sense to them. Now, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of history uh, prim- uh, of the Jewish people. There's a lot of crazy names. I get all that. There's a lot of city names that won't mean anything to you. What do I mean? I mean just the way that it talks, the verbiage in it, that you should get it. There's a reason why we use the New Living Translation here most of the time on the screens. It's why those are what's in the, in the pew in front of you. Uh, there's a few that fall into that category, even NIV, uh, which stands for New International Version, uh, the Message Bible. Um, find a Bible, buy a Bible, take a Bible with you, and I'm serious, that you can get, that the language makes sense. That's, that's another thing. Um, I'll tell you one of, two of my big cheats on this, and I, I, they're wonderful tools. One is the Bible app. It's a gift from uh, Life Church in Oklahoma, Pastor Craig Rochelle. They've decided to just bless the entire Christian world with this, and it's awesome. So if you see the little uh, brown square symbol on somebody's phone or, or iPad, that is, that is the Bible app, and it's, it's a gift from that church. It's amazing. It has every, pretty much every translation that's currently used in there, and you can toggle back and forth between them. There's built-in little Bible studies that are as simple as... Uh, easy. Here's the other thing I do. Uh, Daily audio Bible podcast. On the days I work at my other job, and even every morning I do this, it's about 20 minutes, and you get the whole Bible in a year, and I love it, especially for moving around driving. Uh, The guy, the pastor who does it, he's a fantastic teacher, and so most days he explains what he read to you, and it's awesome. These are out there. These are available to do. Other podcasts, um, home groups. Huh. A purpose of home group is so that you can grow in the word together. And so we've got a couple things available there. Tuesday nights, my dad teaches through the Bible a chapter at a time. You can stop in any Tuesday. It's an hour long, and you're going to go away knowing more about the Bible than you showed up with. And it's, it's easy to digest. It's there. It's available. Cool. Uh, we've got one starting in the month of May that's going to be on marriage. So all of those of you that have perfect marriages, just tune out the next. That's all of you. Starting with a four-round four uh, lesson called The Good Fight by Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott. They're fantastic teachers on marriage. They're going to teach Bible-based um, how, to, how to approach your marriage, how to have it better. This is practical stuff, and you're going to come away knowing more about the Bible in a practical way so that you can rightly divide the word of truth for your life. It's what it's supposed to do. That's how it transforms you. So who is doing the changing, God or us? The transformation is his and his alone. You can't transform yourself, and you sure can't transform anybody else. Stop trying. What you can do is you can change 
some habits. God does the transformation, but we have to partner with the process. Can we pray this morning? This is one of those messages that it offers life to us. But I hope you heard that there's steps that have to be taken to grab that life that's available to us. I can't walk into a grocery store and go into the organic section section and buy fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know that, I know that. I can hang around with some other people that are loving. I can hang around with some other people are, that are kind. Or I can make some soil available to the Holy Spirit. I can give them deep soil that goes all the way into my soul. And I can let him plant his truth into me. So that when the fruit emerges, it'll be mine. I will be more loving. I will be more kind. I will know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The clutter in our mind killing our purpose as Christians. We stay weak, ineffective, and living off the fruit of others. And God says, I've given you everything that you need so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. you see God today wanting good things to come out of your life and you want to be a part of that process would you raise your hand this morning and agree with me in prayer raise your hand if you want to you're choosing I want to be a part of what God is trying to do in my heart see those hands I see those hands God does the transformation but we have a part to play Father God would you give us the resilience would you give us the wisdom God to see the things to put off and to put on Father God we're declaring that we're going to make time for your word in our life whether it's to 
pick up a Bible that we understand better or to take a couple notes next week or to put something, some sort of podcast, another preacher, another, another teaching on as we're driving to school or to work. God, would we make soil available for you? And we trust you to do the transformation. We trust you to bring the fruit. As always, every Sunday, we exist here as the family church to welcome people home to God. If you've never said yes to following Jesus and you are ready to this morning, would you raise your hand where you're at? I want to pray with you. Just always want to make this time available. Father God, we thank you for this word, God, a challenging word, but one that offers incredible life. This has victory upon victory inside of it if we will dig into this teaching and dig into your word. Father God, would this church be full of unbelievers coming to know you, new believers that have recently said yes, growing believers, and mature believers. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing this morning.